Welcome to the Road to Cinema podcast with director John Lee discussing his work on the new Netflix original movie, Pee-wee's Big Holiday, which marks the return of Pee-wee Herman, played by Paul Rubens. We'll also discuss John Lee's work on the show Inside Amy Schumer. Also, John's approach for directing, collaborating with a cinematographer, and how he approaches working with actors and the casting process. For more information on the Road to Cinema podcast, to read the Road to Cinema blog, and to watch our Road to Cinema YouTube series, please visit jogroadproductions.com. You can follow us on Twitter at jogroad, Instagram at jogroadproductions, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Jog Road Productions, like us on Facebook, Jog Road Productions, and don't forget to write us a nice review on the iTunes podcast page under the Road to Cinema podcast. And now we join director John Lee as he discusses his work on the new Pee-wee Herman film, Pee-wee's Big Holiday, which is now available to watch on Netflix. Before, you know, jumping into work on Pee-wee's Big Holiday, what was your knowledge of Pee-wee Herman as a character from Pee-wee's Playhouse and also, uh, you know, of course, the Tim Burton movie, which has been, you know, so iconic over the years? Yes, my knowledge was deep. I, uh... I first knew of him from the HBO show, the special he did at the, I think, the Roxy. That was my first experience with him. Yeah, that was a, a stage show, I believe, that he did originally, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the first time I saw I saw him and was confused by him because I didn't, I, I could never tell if that little segment about the little boy being really good in Mr. Bungles, if that piece of chocolate cake he picked up the count, picked up the counter was real or not it seemed like so large and odd and fluffy <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah i got really into that and just the idea of how much he messed with all forms of media you know like he used the footage he had cartoons it was i thought that was it was so interesting and it was basically right out of sesame street which i think might be the best variety show ever created it was interesting how, uh, with the way Paul Rubens constructed the show and the character, that there was sort of a, a line between sort of commenting on children's shows, whether it was sort of like playing into an adult audience or whether he was, you know, playing to kids. Right. Uh, you know, you could sometimes never tell, you know, where he was in that spectrum. Uh, did Did you sort of see that as well? Uh, yeah, I, I've always sort of I've seen the varieties of peewees. You know, and all of them, especially from the theater, which had a lot more entendre, you know, and uh, then the movie, which doesn't really have that much, uh, and then the kids show, which has, you know, has, still has some, but it's a lot for kids, and his attitudes and all of those, are there's slightly variations on the character, at least in, from my eyes, and, uh, uh, and I think he's really smart about all that stuff, surprisingly, yet most people just think it's this one you know, one character, and I think he knows how to, you know, when he's in a theater with adults, you know, to make sure that adults are entertained and laughing, you know, as opposed to if he's making his kids show, it's, you know, it's all for kids first, and then the adults, the, any of those jokes or innuendos are where the, where the kind of icing on the cake. Yeah, I always thought there was so much uh, detail to the way he constructed the character. Yeah. Uh, in terms of his wardrobe and everything. And then, you know, you go into the show and all of the detail of the production design and the various characters within that world. The, de- the, the wardrobe, for sure. We, doing the wardrobe for, on this, it took, you know, we made five, like, custom-tailored peewee suits. And he has the original one that he wore. And he brought it 
in to compare it, and he would be like, you know, the the amount of detail he had, we just would all be like, yeah, you know this more than I. <laughs> like, if the butt needs to move a quarter of an inch or like an eighth of an inch, yeah, it should move. Yeah, like, you know, so he had would have all these details of like how short the sleeves would be for to, for being too short but not too too short. You know, like he he's very meticulous about it because he's he's basically lived in it for so long and you know you know yeah it's very it's very insane and then the art direction of the sh- certainly of the playhouse uh is is it's nutballs it's bonkers it's like you could it's almost like a headache it's so intense um his uh, the other movie the art the the big adventure is i think a little less busy you know and a little less it's a little more focused art direction and then the big top is it's kind of all over the place it just depends on scene per scene a little inconsistent, but that's just my criticism. Uh, I know that uh, Judd Apatow was, you know, behind uh, Paul Rubens doing the movie for many years, and then eventually uh, Paul had co-wrote the movie with Paul Rust. Yeah. Um, when you first met with Judd, when you first met with Paul, and uh, what was sort of your what was sort of your take on the material, and what was sort of their initiative? Because from what I understand, there were multiple Pee Wee scripts that Paul Rubens had for many years. Yeah, he he had a couple scripts. Um, uh, that he'd written from years before, and I think Judd just wanted to make a classic P.B. Herman movie, and I think Judd really pushed Paul and Paul to make a road movie. Uh, and then I came in, it was the script, I, you know, I had a script, and my first meeting was with all of them, and I just had notes on the scripts. You know, as a writer myself, that's where I tend to start. I always forget that sometimes my job is just to paint the world in pictures, and I'm always so focused on, like, first step is just make sure the script is good. And my notes were just kind of supportive of what they were thinking and leaning towards already. Uh, and I think I was just that person who could, like, go, like, uh, you know, sometimes you need that outside person to come in and just point out the five things that need clarity. And then everyone goes, like, oh, right, this is what we've been trying to struggle with. So I think I just filled that role in a, in a nice way in a, and in a way that they all felt good that I understood all the material and confident and, you know, and then adding jokes, which is always key to a comedy. Uh, do you think that's essential, uh, you know, for a director, you know, like yourself, you've worked in, you know, sketch comedy for so long, uh, you know, sort of, how do you feel sort of contributing to a script and, you know, for you, is it sort of clarifying it so you can sort of add your own touch visually or are you trying to uh, kind of, you know, give... I think it depends on the project really, right? You know, some... Some scripts just need like a technical director who will make everything look good and and stuff like that. And some some things, you know, you kind of match to what you kind of need. I personally just like really to focus on uh, script first as much as possible in the drama of the script and the tracking of the psychology of the script. And then once that's all great, then you can add jokes on top of it. You know, because that you need to understand emotion and follow all that, so then things can be funny. And and when you're when you're lucky, all those things go hand in hand. And then the next step for me is shooting and trying to make that visual. Um, and then you, you know this. You know, well, yeah, that's that, I think it just follows the sort of order of how a movie is made in general for me. But you know, yeah, does that makes sense. Well, especially uh, a movie like this, which is so detailed with production design and wardrobe and so many 
elements, uh, even special effects. Are you thinking about making storyboards or really uh, coming up with the visuals ahead of time before you go onto the set? Uh, I did all my own storyboards because I just tend to think of, uh, like, for a movie like this, it was just minimal storyboards. The only thing I needed to storyboard were, like, big sequences that required a little bit more. But, like, you know, when Joe is, when Pee-wee's making a milkshake, I don't totally need to storyboard that because you, once you get on the set or you see that you go with the set designer and you work on the, or the production designer and you work on the set, you can kind of figure it out and visualize it in your head and talk to the DP about it. But uh, the most of the work, you know, in pre-production, you're running from, like, I'm talking to Tim Orr, and then I'm running to Dan Butts' office, and, like, looking at, like, hundreds of little ceramic squirrels and little animals that will fill Pee-wee's bedroom, because, you know, it's a large task to think what's his bedroom, you know, even though it's only in the movie for, I don't know, or his bedroom and his living room are in there for maybe 15 seconds. It's like a world that, you know, you need to define, and it has to represent his character, because if you don't have good art direction or it's not full in a P.B. Herman movie, it's, 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 a good, it's a failure. Luckily, no one's mentioned that as a failure in this movie, so that, that to me means that it, I, I passed the test. And but <laughs> passed the test is if no one talks about it uh, poorly, that means you're, you're doing all right. Yeah, no, it's such uh, an essential element to uh, to have your eye on that. You know, for you... Yeah, there's ma- all kinds of stuff in there for me that's very story-oriented, too. Uh, quickly, uh, the, like, all of Kiwi's house, everything in his house and in his bedroom, it's, half of it is Fairville items, things that he loves from the town because he loves Fairville so much, and the other half is all these little storybook creatures that are hibernating creatures because Pee-wee's never left Fairville, so there's all these little squirrels and little tiny bears and all animals that stay in place and never go out. And then the themes, the icon of the town is a, they're called the settlers, you know? like So, like, there was, like, that, those kind of discussions where it's never brought up, you know? It's never even pointed out, really, and they're just there to support this sort of idea that he's never left or he settles for things and that he's like this little animal that would never go anywhere. And that's the kind of stuff you you focus way too much on, but you kind of need to in a movie like this. And then, yeah, then there's other other examples, but I think that sort of clarifies it mostly. For, uh, for the script, how much of the production design elements were described in there versus sort of what you and your team were kind of making up in terms of what his world would be? Uh, I would say there's very little production design in there. Um, that's what it just Paul and I would have these discussions of like trying to figure out the look of the house or you know like uh, the wardrobes of certain people but there was very little production design in there there yeah it's not really written in there you just sort of know that when you read a Wee Herman script you know like that's a giant job that's gonna like <laughs> that's like you know the the Dan Butts the production designer I think he said after that job he had to take like a couple months
And that's a big undertaking because everything is pretty much made from scratch. It's not sort of <laughs> buying props or buying different elements. You're really making it all. <laughs> yes, yeah, you're making it all or altering existing things. Yeah, there's nothing in there that it wasn't touched by hand. There's very little that is like just like pre prefabricated or pre-bought. And luckily it all looks like it's, you know, it looks like pre-bought. So it's like it sort of just feels natural, which is, I think, a, a success. Uh, something that I was uh, reading about the other day was that I guess Paul Rubens and Joe Manganiello sort of had a an ongoing friendship for a few years, and that was sort of his inspiration to use him in the film. Uh, sort of was that something that you you and Paul had always talked about? Uh, that was something he talked about a lot uh, about Joe, how kind of manly Joe was, and how perfect he was, and uh, and it and he was he was totally right. He was totally right, and I think everyone once. Once Joe was like, people met him, it was so clear that he was the guy. You know, it's like how much he loves Pee Wee, the real person Joe, you know, and I think Pee Wee has meant a lot to him in his life. Uh, you can ju- it just, you know, you can just feel their kind of appreciation and respect and their love of each other. It was very, uh, it was such so, uh, it was, a, yeah, it was a great pairing. Yeah, going through the uh, the casting of the film because you know here you have so many small ro- roles that go on for maybe you know two or three scenes, but the scenes are you know all very important. They all have these comic set pieces. Uh, so for you casting these individual scenes, I mean, how uh, how difficult was it to really find the right actors to play those roles? I think one of the most difficult things was to fight the temptation to stunt cast. You know, with celebrity cameos and. I was a big proponent of not doing that, and I, you know, we luckily Judd and Netflix supported that, and I think it pays off a lot because you want to, you want the Pee Wee's world has to be a unique world. It's not the Muppets, you know, it can't be filled with celebrities. And and then B, we have Joe already playing himself, so once you do that, you can't have another celebrity not playing themselves, which is the kind of cheap argument I made, but no one had a counter argument. Um, but uh, yeah, it was. Some were really easy. Some characters were really easy. Some were hard. Uh, Gordon was probably one of the the salesmen, the novelty salesman. He was probably one of the hardest ones to find that kind of level of cheesiness that that character has, but kind of play it real. A lot of people were doing it really loud and comedic, you know. And he just does it as kind of a. To he, to me, once Patrick came in, I was like, oh right, this guy's just out of Mad Magazine. This guy is literally, you know, and I, the, so then I just gave wardrobe photos of Mad Magazine characters, you know, and he just, he just looked, he had that face, you know, and that physique of, a, of another time, and he was, but it took us a long time to find him, and he's one of, he's one of Paul's oldest friends, and the movie's full of Paul's friends, because he surrounds himself with these quirky kind of characters that just have some arc about them, which is like what you sort of expect in a peewee world. And then the other character, some came super naturally easy, like Jess, Jessica Polly, the, the pepper. She, we saw her on tape, and she was, she did the really dumb move of starting, your, you know, when you first record, when you first watch casting, you just watch people's audition tapes. And she did this, the thing where she started with her back to the camera, and you're all like, oh, here comes a move. You know, someone's kind of going to be showing off. They, they, they thought of something clever. <laughs> and then she turns around and delivers her first line. And it's just, you know, it was just like such a force. And I, both Paul and I were like, 
done. Like, she's great. Call her in. Let's. I bet you we're going to call her in, meet her for five minutes, and cast her. And so, and that's basically what happened. She was really some of it, some of it just clicks right away, and some you're on the search and you're on the hunt. So. Yeah, uh, for you working with actors, um, you know, you have Paul who's been doing this character for so many years, and uh, you know, also you know, peppering it with so many other different character actors. Uh, how do you work with actors in terms? I mean, when you see the audition, do you say, okay, they've made they've made the right decisions for me. I'm just going to kind of let them do their thing, or do you want to go in there and kind of give them adjustments at certain times? Um, I try to see. One of my main things I do when you're casting, you have this great advantage is you get to like experiment with actors, you know, when you're casting, and also with like the lines and the script. You know, so I tend to try to do a lot of stuff in casting where if I like someone and I and then I kind of give them, I will sometimes give poor direction or direction that doesn't seem like it fits the role and then see how they deal with it. And then I try to see if they paid attention to all the, <laughs> the all the things, the notes that I gave them, because if they're hearing things and, and then watch how they make adjustments. And then as you get closer, you want to get to know them a little bit to try to figure out how, because some people you can go, like, whatever, Joe was on set, and he's walking into the diner, and I'm, you know, I've never worked with him, I don't know him, we, you know, we just talk a little bit, and then you try to, you give a note that doesn't quite work, and then you, then you finally go, like, oh, I wonder if he's going to, like, very abstract direction, and I just said, like, I want you to walk in like a jungle cat, and he just started laughing, and said, oh, I totally got it, and then he did it, you know, he did it exactly right, so you go, like, oh, Joe likes kind of author direction, where Paul, he doesn't, you know, that's not Paul's move. He doesn't like that, and you have to just be very clear about what you want the joke to be, because he comes from more of a comedy world of, like, setup and punchline. And having worked with a lot of comedians who became actors, you learn, and you learn how to communicate in that pace of, like, well, you need to take a little ellipsis here, because the punchline is, you know, comes, you want that little beat for the setup, and when you deal with stand-up people, they go like, oh, got it, I totally know what you want, and then they make it their own, and they find the rhythm. Um, but no, I like to give notes, I like to push people, I like to kind of pull pranks on the cast. Like, I tell one actor one thing, and I don't tell the other. Um, it gets, you know, and then it's unfortunate when I forget to tell the crew, because then something happens, and then we all missed it. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it just, you know, it's for me, it's all, it's like, it's really fun to use these people, and especially when you find people who are so willing to do whatever and really enjoy that. And that's kind of, the, I think, the consistency of the people that I tend to like. Yeah. Was there uh, was there a certain point where you sort of developed this uh, this sort of technique or approach with actors? Were you taking a lot of acting classes early on? Or no, no, I should have. No, I never took any acting classes. I just always view it. I view directing as a prank. That we're all agreeing to do partake, partake, participate in. So, you know, I, I, that's how I just sort of approach it, and I try to find that energy and spirit, and then it just keeps the energy and spirit up, you know, which is always nice in comedy. But I, I, usually, after a while, people start to notice my tricks, the cast, and then they start to know that I'm up to something. But no, I didn't. Uh, I did stand up very, uh, very briefly in my life. And it was more of like an Andy Kaufman experiment. They were not, they were off sort of non sequitur, shaggy dog bits. Um, but no, I didn't take any acting classes. I, I don't, I totally admire acting, but I don't understand it. Has uh, it always been sort of like a mystery to you in terms of kind of process or really how they get to that point or? 
No, it's I, I it's not a mystery. It's for sort of like a puzzle because so many people have their own process. You know, even on one scene, five four people are going to all approach the scene differently and how they like to perform. Some people want to know like what you know what's coming up is my close up here. Some people don't. Some people want to know like you know what's like the pace of the scene or what's the what would be the music or the tone. And some people don't. So you just have to like you have to be the people. You know, I. I tend to like to go like, oh, I know how each person likes to be communicated to, and just keep track of that, and then you just have to be willing to, you as a person, to communicate to them in a way that is good for both of you, and yeah, so you just, yeah, you just try to do that, and luckily Paul also so good at, um, he's so good at like noticing what he wants and what, you know, perfor- and dealing with performers, because he's done it for so long, especially in theater, so he was all, he was also, he would also participate, which I was happy you uh you've one of the, like the great uh dps on this tim Orr, who did a lot of david gordon green's films yeah, including yeah. Uh, one of my favorites george washington which i yeah, think was his, sure. his first one yeah. uh what was sort of the difference for you between kind of you know working with a dp on you know like a sketch show like broad city or inside amy schumer versus uh doing a film like this is there any different dynamic in terms of your collaboration or uh, well broad city's no it's not a sketch show Schumer, I, I did her pilot, and then I got I couldn't do the seasons because I was doing my own shows. So I would say I haven't done that much sketch stuff. I've only done, um, uh, in, I think in Schumer, I only did four sketches. Other than that, I've done all like long, you know, narrative, except for maybe Wonder shows. And I don't know if you know that show. That's like tons of small segments. And then I did the DPs. I did most of the DP except for the puppets. I did camera operated and lit the thing. Um, so, I mean, Tim is, you know, yeah, he's great. He's shot from George Washington to Pineapple Express. Those are such extremely different-looking movies, but they both look so great, you know? They both look so, they're so perfectly to the movie. And I, I always admire people who don't, it's like they don't want to impose their style on something. They just understand what style is and know how to, how to do it for each movie. And I kind of always like that, those people, which is probably why I love, like, Kubrick, because he has, like, the best movie in different genres. He didn't, like, stick with one genre and just keep doing it as many other filmmakers. And their style just tends to be about the kind of choices they make and the tone they, and that, like, the, the loop of projects or the repeated kind of stories they do. And that becomes their world. But Tim is so, uh, he's so uh, enjoyable and we, we really talked about how we wanted this movie just to look very classic and not have much fingerprint on it. You know, <laughs> like just step back and step away. And especially in context of Big Adventure where Tim Burton has, you know, became such a giant sort of iconic director with a style that was developed, I think, kind of probably mostly developed just during and then more so after Big Adventure. You know, if you look at that movie, it's not crazy stylized as much as I think people think it is. It's very classically shot, and that's what's so kind of powerful about it with these just touches of odd choices and and stuff like that. So we just really wanted to make this a classic movie because that's kind of what that's kind of what the premise of Paul is. Like he finds these like old worlds to live in or these old cinematic places to be in, and so just support that as much as possible. And then here and there when we can push artiness you know so we just agreed i think on the approach so much and his team is so fast and so efficient and 
yeah, he's a, yeah, I, I really like that guy. Yeah. Uh, just out of curiosity, would you ever do, you know, do you think you would do like another Pee Wee movie down the line? That's a good question. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to wait till I get that call. Uh, it, it's a, it, of course, it's fun. And how do you not do that? But then, I don't know. How do you, I'm such a person who always, everything I've done, like, has never repeated something. I went from like the Wonder Shows, which was a fake kids show, you know, like, you know, a crazy Sesame Street to like then a CG animated show, then to a like soap opera, disgusting soap opera, horror comedy. So, uh, and they all look different and for all different reasons. And then I did the show Delocated, that's like a docu- fake documentary. So I don't, you know, uh, I probably would, I want to say yes, but then in my just out of boredom, I probably would say no because I'd want to just do something.